Let's go. 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 Let's Welcome back to another episode of NBA University. Shout out to our DJ Zenas again uh, for the intro outro music. Uh, but today is our NBA episode. Gonna go over uh, the Boston Celtics and Dallas Mavericks. Uh, talk a little bit about um, what's going on in Memphis and the trade dem- deadline coming up. Uh, but yeah, let's let's just jump into what's going on with Memphis. So. Uh, the GM and owner um, have finally come together and decided that they're going to start listening to some trade offers for um, the corners of the franchise, Mike Connolly and Marcus Saul. So what was your reaction to that? I was kind of surprised just because it's like, at least the media has talked about the idea pretty much for like the last four years and it hasn't really even ever come close, but I guess a little bit of a slower start than they were expecting this year. And, uh, older, older veterans now with Gasol and Conley that are getting. Are they both on expiring deals? Or are they close? I know Gasol is right. Um, Gasol has a player option next year um, for around like nineteen million, um, and then Mike Conley still has two years after this where he's in the thirties. Um, so it's a pretty hefty contract, hard to move, but he brings a lot of value. Um, he has a game that just doesn't really rely on athleticism, so it's something that can go into his mid-30s. Um, maybe not worth quite $34 million, but um, definitely a very, very valuable player. Yeah, I mean, I think I, – I, mean, I saw a report recently that said at least five teams have called about each player, and I wouldn't be surprised if that number gets into the 15, 20 range because I think any team – uh, could use both of those guys. It's just a matter of what Memphis is looking for in return. Yeah, the trouble with it is that there are two positions that are loaded in the NBA right now. Um, you think about how big um, the point guard depth is, how every year someone's getting snubbed in the All-Star game. I mean, every team that makes the playoffs has a, a point guard they're comfortable with. And then the the bigs in the NBA have um, sort of grown exponentially. I mean, a lot of young guys um, coming up in the center position where um, Gasol isn't really needed. Uh, so I think that's going to be the, the most difficult part uh, with Memphis dealing these guys because uh, teams like Phoenix are really the only teams desperate for a point guard. Um, and then for a big, uh, you look at the Spurs maybe um, just because of the style of play he plays. His brother's on the team. Um, sort of makes sense there, but um, he uh, he would have to go west or um, to the east Eastern Conference, and you go through sort of the the teams there: Toronto, Valanciunas, Ibaka, Siakam. They're all set there. Philly with Embiid. Um, Boston's an interesting fit uh, for Gasol, uh, but I think Boston needs more of a rebounding center um, rather than a, a stretch five because uh, they already have that with Al Horford. 
Um, Brooklyn, they're they're all set with Jared Allen. Um, sort of want to keep their core together, not give up any assets. Um, the Knicks, oh, the Knicks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I feel like they're pretty comfortable with uh, Mitchell Robinson. Obviously, Mark Salt would be a huge upgrade with um, Ennis Cantor there. Um, but I still think they're just going to try to keep their young assets stay stay sort of the top of the lottery odds. Um, and then getting to Milwaukee, Indiana, Detroit, they all have their centers. Chicago is a mess. Um, don't see them going there or to Cleveland. And then really Miami has Hassan Whiteside, who has a terrible contract, unless they're going to attach Justice Winslow or uh, Josh Richardson. I don't think they can get Gasol. But, yeah, I mean, just going through these Eastern Conference teams, I don't see the huge need for a center. So I think Memphis might have to go for 50 cents on the dollar with Gasol. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting if they do decide that or just refuse to go into the Western Conference in a trade and that they do go to the East because I think at least the playoff picture in the East, like the top – we pretty much know the top five teams and, like, I don't know that they're trying to upgrade those two positions, and even if they are willing to, I don't know if they're willing to blow up their team, like bench rotation, whatever, in order to get those guys. And I think the teams in the West are way, like, at least you can see, like, the team like the Rockets would be willing to make a deal to get some upgrade. Not saying Conley or Gasol, but literally with the trade deadline coming, just anybody, I think they'd be willing to move some pieces to upgrade. And teams like the Lakers looking for help. Um, So, I'll. A lot of these Western Conference teams are, I think, hungry for an upgrade, and it's going to be tough to trade within the conference, uh, especially with Memphis looking to give up pretty much their two best players. Yeah, exactly. And I think Memphis is going to be patient, but ultimately deal at least one of them. I think Connolly stays this year. Um, they have him under contract for the next two years, so I think they, they can hold out with him maybe this summer, maybe next, next year's deadline. Um, sort of have the similar value, so... Um, I think Gasol, a team in the West um, I could see him going to would be the Lakers. Um, simply because they're the Lakers and they love, they need to make a move. Um, but I, I really think they should stick with um, Zubac, who's been dominating um, the past three, four games now. Um, young guy that just um, really has been covered by Tyson Chandler and JaVale McGee. Um, and if Luke Wallen sticks with him, I think it'll, a huge development will come with him. And I understand LeBron's on a short timeline, but um, I think there's other assets to give up and get something on the wing rather than a center. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's very few teams um, in the Western Conference, te- Conference that I can see him going to. Um, but I do think ultimately Mark Gasol does get dealt um, here next week. Um, but another guy to keep an eye on is Garrett Temple um, on Memphis. I think he's a guy that brings 3 and D, um, sort of what every team looks for. Um, left Sacramento to sign with Memphis because he thought they would compete. Um, now they're blowing it up, so I think he's going to look to get out. Um, and he obviously had that big blow up with Omri Caspi, so look for him to get to get dealt to a playoff playoff team for sure. 
Yeah, and so uh, do you want to just like throw some possible teams out that would be looking to deal people and acquire people? Yeah, yeah, so some buyers, um, some teams I saw today looking at um, Rodney Hood or the Thunder, um, Portland's looking at wings, Utah's looking at wings. Um, those, I think those three, te- three teams are going to be the biggest buyers. Um, look for Denver to make a small move, but I feel pretty confident um, that they feel confident in their team. Um, the Warriors, obviously, are going to stay put. No need to change that. Um, Clippers are a team that could potentially be buyers in Sacramento. Um, Houston signing Kenneth Reed, um, I don't think addresses what they what they need in a big man. Um, Reed's very undersized, probably six seven. Um, was absolutely getting abused uh, the other night against Joel Embiid. Just doesn't have the weight. Um, to contend with these big-time centers in the NBA. Um, so I think they need to go out and, and look to see if they can get a big, thick center. Um, I know Willie Reed's still out in free agency. Um, they're just very limited with the assets they have and um, sort of their salary cap space. Um, but those are the buyers in the West. Who, did I miss anyone? I don't think so. I think you got all those. Maybe, I don't know if they want to, but I, I feel like Utah could use an upgrade in a couple of areas. Yeah, yeah, Utah definitely. They're, they're looking for another wing score. Um, so look out for them. to. They may make a big splash. Um, but the Eastern Conference, Toronto-Milwaukee, if they make any move, it's going to be very, very minor. Um, they'll be more active in buyout market. Um, but Philly... Boston, I think they're going to make a move. Um, Indiana, Detroit, um, and then Charlotte. Um, as everyone thinks, they're going to trade Kemba Walker. It seems like he's they're just going to try to re-sign him this summer. Um, so Charlotte will probably be active and trying to get someone to make it more, um, make it more, make it easier for him to re-sign, uh, make it more attractive. Um, and then the Wizards, uh, they'll be as active as ever. Uh, so who else in the East? I mean, so I look at the East as more of sellers just because, no pun intended, but they got a lot of seller dwellers. Um, and I, I think they could really look to move. Uh, like, I think the Hawks are going to move at least two to three guys. I think the Cavs will probably move around two to three guys. I think you, the Bulls probably will try to move Jabari somehow um, and maybe another smaller piece. Um, but I think if, if teams are going to be active in the East, they're going to be as sellers uh, and, and have teams like the Rockets or whoever in the West um, pounce on those smaller smaller trades, but significant with guys like Jeremy Lin. Not saying he's going to the Rockets, but a, a player that can definitely help a, a playoff team come out of the East. Yeah, I think um, Rockets in Atlanta, um, I can see them being partners um, more or less for a Dwayne Dedman trade. Um, get like that, like I said, that bigger body. Um, so, so an Atlanta update kind of since that's the team we're most connected to, I guess. But um, so in at least with the players, 
it seems more likely now that Bazemore is a long-term answer in Atlanta and Torian Prince is the one getting traded with Deadman and Jeremy Lin than the other way around. So initially a lot of people thought it was going to be Lin, Bazemore, and Deadman that were probably the three that were going to be gone. Now it looks more likely that they're going to try to keep Bazemore because of how well he's done this year. And he's still under, he's 29, so still has some decent basketball ahead of him. Um, and move Torian Prince because they haven't, haven't loved the way he's fit into the new system and just don't really like the the scenario they're in with Torian Prince. So I think he's more likely to get moved now. Yeah, it, it makes more sense to move Torian Prince. I think he um, – they have about the same value. Um, this camp brings some playoff experience, but um, some defense, some shooting. Um, but I, I just – watching the Hawks play, um, he's definitely an outcast there. Um, when the Hawks get moving the ball around, um, getting five, six passes in a, in a possession, a lot of things happen um, positively. And, and Torian Prince is someone that um, sort of is a ball stopper, um, gets the ball and tries to get to his shot. If he doesn't have a thing, we'll kick it out. So I, I see him he's definitely moving. Um, Utah would make sense for him, bring another scorer to them. Um, but, yeah, I, I think for sure – two of those three at least are going to be moved, if not all three. Um, and I think it's just going to be a matter of days before that happens. <clears throat> but, yeah, like you said, I mean, East is going to have a lot of guys, a lot of teams sort of selling out. Cleveland, um, Rodney Hood, Tristan Thompson, I see those two guys definitely leaving. Um, Chicago, Robin Lopez, um, really anybody is up for grabs outside of Wendell, Laurie, um, and Zach Levine at this point. Um, but the East is definitely up for grabs right now, but Milwaukee and Toronto, I see them as the top two um, with a decent decent gap in between. Um, so Philly and Boston, uh, I think, really need to, to bring someone in to, to catch up to those guys. Yeah, and I personally don't see any, like, big blockbuster trades happening. Like, obviously, Conley or Gasol or even both would be pretty much blockbuster deals. Um, I'm with you. I think at most only one of them gets moved. Honestly, I don't even know if one of them gets moved because this could be, like, Memphis just flirting with the idea to see what really the market is. Um, But I think you're going to get a lot of deals for, like, mid-level players that can significantly impact the teams they go to, but it just doesn't make that big, like, headline splash that people expect with, you know, like Boston getting Anthony Davis and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't see that. Um, I see Boston getting a guy like Robin Lopez, um, Philly getting a guy like Garrett Temple. Um, just these minor moves um, that ultimately help them take that next step. Um, Philly already made that blockbuster trade for Jimmy Butler. Now it's all about maintaining um, and, and trying to get matchups for different playoff matchup that they have so um, Philly needs more wings Boston needs more bigs so trying to fill those roles Um, but yeah I mean uh, the biggest name I see getting traded um, sort of off the radar at this point I think is Tyreek Evans Um, he brings a lot to Indiana but I think he has value um, on a team friendly contract I think they can move him for, for an asset um, but yeah, it's, it's not going to be too many big names coming this this deadline. Um, 
But anything else you want to touch on? I actually, Go ahead. I actually threw, threw him in a trade machine trade to get Mike Conley, like about an hour ago, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Indiana is definitely linked to, to Conley. Uh, getting that sort of lead guard. Darren Collison's been solid, um, but is definitely a backup type player. Uh, and I think Connolly would would put Indiana a lot higher up than, than people would anticipate just because of his ability to coexist with another per, another st- quote-unquote star um, with Victor Oladipo um, and his just his high basketball IQ and his low maintenance outside of the outside of the game. I think he would fit in seamlessly there. So I definitely see that happening. Um, but doubtful, at least, at this deadline. Yeah, I mean, so we have the deadline's February 7th, so we have a little over two weeks um, for, for a lot of stuff to, to happen between now and then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and we'll update you guys again next week. Um, a lot will change. Different names will come up, um, but as far as what we're hearing now, those are the those are the names to look out for, the teams to look out for. Um, but it should be an interesting one because of how open the East is. Um, and prior to Boogie coming back, it felt like the West was open. So um, I see a lot of active teams coming, at least adding some sort of piece. Um, but yeah, let's. I think that's enough on the deadline. Um, we got a good slate of games um, tonight. Um, we are recording today's what, Wednesday, January 23rd. Um, so one of the first games on Toronto at Indiana. Um, check out that. That's going to be a good game. Clippers-Miami will be a good one. Um, San Antonio-Philadelphia, another really good game. And then what I think will be the, the best one of the night. Um, Denver's playing in Utah. Uh, see that game being in the low 100s, um, sort of a dogfight there, going to be a few-point uh, game there. So check out those games tonight. But um, we'll take a quick break here and get into the Dallas Mavericks. I'm Dirk Nowitzki, and I'll prove this message. What is my NBA nickname? Your NBA nickname is the Dunking Deutschman. I would have also accepted these ones. Dirk Diggler. The German Wunderkind. The Germinator. All right, so with Dallas, um, the lineups have been changing a little bit. One, because of um, the weird sort of saga with Dennis Smith Jr. and Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle holding him out, thinking he was going to get traded. Um, now it's like he's a part of the long-term future, so a little confusing there. Um, normally what they uh, they start with, if Dennis Smith is in the lineup, him at point, Wesley Matthews at shooting guard, um, Luka Doncic at small forward, Harrison Barnes at the, at the four spot, and then DeAndre Jordan at the center. Um, with uh, um, Dennis Smith out, Maxi Kleber sort of stepped in at the four spot and bumped up everyone else, sort of Doncic at the one. Um, and then guys they bring off the bench, Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell, uh, Jalen Brunson, the rookie from Villanova, um, the legend, um, one of the best power forwards ever, Dirk Nowitzki, um, and then Devin Harris, uh, with them just recently losing J.J. Barea um, out for um, a season-ending torn Achilles. 
Um, so what's your opinion of this team so far this year? I really didn't know what to think of him coming into the year because I think a lot of people took a wait-and-see approach with Luka to see if he would play like he did in Europe, and he's been that and much more already. Um, but Harrison Barnes has been – he's honestly had one of his better years, I think. Like He's been more consistent than normal. Um, and Dennis Smith Jr., that was a really weird situation. Uh, but, I mean, he's not – he's he's different because he's just super athletic. Like, he's going to – he can go up on anybody and dunk on them, but at the same time, he's a he's a volume type scorer where he needs to see like a lot of shots go in or at least get into the rhythm of the game kind of early. Um, and I don't think he really gets that with this team. If you watch him at NC State, he would make sure to attack early on and get kind of the opposite of what Russ does. Like he needs to get himself really into the game and then you know, like have a good game for the whole entirety of the game. Um, but in Dallas, I don't think he – I don't know if he doesn't get to do it or he just doesn't do it, but it's kind of slowed him down, I think. Uh, he looked pretty good in his first game back. I don't know if that was just like a prove it to Rick Car- Carlisle type of deal or what, but hopefully we can see a little more of that. Um, I do think they're super thin, and beside, pretty much besides um, DeAndre Jordan. I mean, we both like Dwight Powell, but we don't think he plays nearly enough. Um, but then you're looking at, like, Kleber, Majiri, uh, Dwight Powell, Nowitzki, and then Kostas and Ray Spalding, which are, I, I believe they're two two-way guys, right? Uh, so that's a little different. So um, it's actually Kostas and Daryl Macon as a two-way. Um, Ray Spalding sort of signed a, a minimum salary earlier in the season. Um, so um, he's officially on the roster now and then I mean so also so that small forward like with Harrison Barnes Dorian Finney-Smith um, you said but when Dennis Smith is is playing Harrison Barnes usually plays the four so they go with like a, a really athletic but I guess you can call it smaller even though Luca and Harrison Barnes are are pretty big they just don't go with the traditional uh, forward in the game so they definitely rely plenty on Harrison, or Harrison Barnes, on DeAndre Jordan to rebound and defend. Um, but, I mean, it's, it feels like a puzzle that's not really put together too well, in my opinion. Yeah, the thing with Dallas is they were expecting a lot more from DeAndre Jordan, um, and he's just not bringing that to the game. Um, his, obviously, he gets his rebounds, um, but he's not doing much outside of that. Very, very poor offensively, um, and then just hasn't been himself defensively. Um, really has become a liability out there. Uh, I know Dallas fans have, and writers have been struggling with him on the floor. Um, if, you, if you talk to some Dallas fans, they would rather Maxi Kleber um, or Dwight Powell in there instead of him. Um, and I think that's someone um, they should look to trade even if it's a couple sack-round sack picks and take on a contract. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't think um, DeAndre Jordan should fit into this team. They shouldn't try to re-sign him. Um, he's a free agent next summer, or this upcoming summer, so just let him walk if you still have him on your team, but try to get some value out of him. Um, but they really, I think they really should play Luke at the one and Dennis Smith off the, off the, sort of playing off guard, off ball. Um, because Dennis Smith is really good at attacking closeouts. 
Uh, he's not a great shooter, but um, if you get him with the defense moving and attacking, I think he'll be a lot more effective. Uh, and Lucas just has that ability uh, to sort of get into the paint and make plays. Uh, has incredible vision. So um, getting him more of the ball handling duties with Dennis Smith Jr. off ball. Um, and then Wesley Matthews, I think, is another guy that you should look at moving. Um, he sort of has a steep uh, number this year at 18 uh, million, um, but he comes off the books next se next season. So um, maybe a playoff team looking to get off some bad contracts um, and get their cap sheet a little bit better next year and grab a, a first-round pick for him, um, like a Houston first-round pick for Wesley Matthews uh, if they have some bad contracts they want to get rid of. But I think overall as a team, they're headed in the right direction. Um, they came off strong early in the year um, and sort of now starting to fade. I think they've lost now four of the last five, um, sitting at 21 and 26. Um, so sort of trying to rebuild and get them situated, maybe try to sneak in their pick for this year, which is top five protected, so if they can fall down that much. Um, but I, I like where they are as far as Doncic, um, Maxi Cleaver. Uh, Harrison Barnes is going to be a free agent, but um, I think Doncic and Dorian Finney-Smith is another guy very underrated, just a wing, um, plays really hard on defense, and is shooting it decent this year. Um, but they got a lot of interesting pieces, so um, sort of stay the track. Their, their cap sheet looks a little bit better next season um, and try to attract some free agents that way. Um, anything else you want to add on them? I mean, I think Doncic has really come in and just been a savior so far. Uh, he's been really incredible. Obviously, we've already said he's – I think he's pretty much guaranteed the rookie of the year if he doesn't even play another minute the rest of the year. Um, but their team, I think, can look pretty different next year. You mentioned most of them. but So Wesley Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Barea, Dirk, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Devin Harris, and Maxi Kleber are all – their contracts are up at the end of the season, and then they have their player options, which is Harrison Barnes, and I'm not sure if there's another one or not. Um, but Dwight Powell. there's a lot of that's a lot of a lot of roster space that can be opened up. Um, you also said so. Berea is out with the torn Achilles. They, I think they really like him, and I think the injury they have a chance to bring him back on a pretty small cap hit, uh, and just stick with stick with the same type of backcourt. Um, so I kind of feel like they're going to lean towards that, but I think the rest of those guys are pretty expendable. Uh, but I do think they should bring back Dorian Finney-Smith just because I think he's a solid... Uh, he's a long, athletic player that can play the three and the four. He defends pretty much any position besides, like, bigger centers. Um, and I think he's just a really good NBA piece. Yeah, yeah, I think... Um, Dorian Finney-Smith would be important to bring back. Uh, maybe solid measury, um, but he's getting up there in age, sort of let him walk. Um, and Maxi Kleber, I think, are the, the two uh, that certainly need to come back. And if Dwight Powell opts out, um, definitely re-sign him. But they have a lot of flexibility, uh, especially if Harrison Barnes opts out. 
can bring him back, I, I would be certainly fine with that just because he's been playing very consistent this year, um, a good scorer for them. Um, but they have a lot of different options they can go and build around Luka and Dennis Smith Jr. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can repair that relationship. Uh, but I think those two guys can coexist if they play Luka on the ball and let Dennis Smith attack secondary um, attack. So I think they're going to be they'll be in fine shape. Um, they might not get a first-round pick this year, but um, Dallas is always a good place to go. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get a, a pretty big free agent signing there. Um, but let's jump into sort of prospects and free agents that we can look at for them. Um, so this year, like we've been sort of mentioning their first-round pick, um, when they traded up to get Luka for Trey Young, um, they traded their first-round pick for this year. Um, but if it falls within the top five, they will keep it. Um, so the the chances of that happening right now aren't, aren't super high, uh, but certainly possible. Now, if they fall in that one to five range, who do you like there? Yeah, I mean, here's I'm strongly rooting for that not to happen. <laughs> um, but I mean, I can't I can't really say it enough. But the one through five is close to hit, or I mean, it's close to hitting a home run every time. Like, there's not. I don't think there's really a risk in a lot of the players. Um, you talk about Zion, RJ; those guys are going to go higher than or than Dallas, I think. Um, but a guy that I could see falling there would be Cam Reddish, who's been kind of streaky so far. But uh, I could see him fitting well with Luca, just kind of playing off the ball, getting his own jump shots, uh, having a lot of space on the floor, and then also Nas Little, I also think would be a good fit there. Um, but like I said, I don't think you can miss between one through five, really. Yeah, yeah, and I had both Cam and Nas Little there. Um, my sort of theme is to get guys that are good off the ball. Obviously, if they land number one, go Zion. Um, but Jarrett Culver as well. Um, bring some more defense to that team, some length, uh, some shooting, some guys that I think aren't going to be number one options in the NBA, um, but very good two and three and four options. So... Um, with Luca there, you can afford to sort of mold that role player in, into your team. Um, and then for their second round pick, um, they have their own that's protected, um, 31 through 55. Um, so the first pick of the second draft all the way to the 25th. Um, if it falls from 56 to 60, it goes to the Warriors. Um, so any sort of second rounders that you looked at for them? Yeah, I was looking mostly around, like, the two-guard uh, kind of scores, um, and James Palmer Jr. and Ty's battle I thought could be two pretty good fits there. Again, off-ball guys that can play with uh, Luka, and then if they join the second unit, they also can handle the ball and, and attack and score on their own a little bit. Um, and then another, I threw in Eric Pasquale as a big guy. I think that could be, like, a late first, early second, uh, an athletic big that can score it and step out and just creates more space um, and I think that this team the more space there is on the court the better off they're going to be yeah absolutely uh, definitely need to space floor out and I think that's the biggest reason DeAndre Jordan hasn't sort of fit in there uh, some of the Dallas's best lineups um, the best two man lineup is Dwight Powell and Maxi Cleaver 
Um, and then best three-man lineup, you had Devin Harris. Best four-man, you had J.J. Barea. Then best five-man, you sort of add um, Dorian Finney-Smith. So the theme of those sort of top combos, the top plus-minus, um, are guys that can space the floor. Uh, even though Dwight Powell is shooting very poorly from three, he's still taking them. Um, Maxi Kleber is a very good knockdown shooter. Um, and all those other guys can shoot shoot from the outside. So um, a team that really needs to space the floor. And um, some guys I looked at in the second round are basically all shots. Um, take a chance on somebody. You're not in a rush to win now. Um, so getting a guy like uh, P.J. Washington, Darius Beasley, um, Jalen Horde, Admiral Schofield, um, these kind of guys that you're not really sure what you'll get from them outside of Admiral Schofield. Um, but could turn into a huge steal for them. So that's that's sort of my thinking behind that second round for Dallas. Um, what about some free agents for them? Yeah, I kind of stuck with the same trend um, and just more scoring. Uh, Terrence Ross and Wayne Ellington are two guys I looked at, but I think the absolute home run for them, and a guy I just saw play, uh, for the first time in person and just impressed me more than I could ever have imagined. And uh, Busevich was just absolutely incredible for Orlando. Um, I think he's going to get, I think he's going to get seriously paid this off season. Uh, Kevin Herter said on the weekend that like, he feels like the Hawks should offer him a max and just beg him to come to Atlanta. Cause he's every bit as good as he's uh, been advertised and that much more. Um, and I think pairing him with a guy like the, uh, Luka Doncic is just, Deadly. Um, Busevich can step out and hit face up jump shots. He can pretty much do it all. He scores willingly in the paint. Um, not the greatest defender, but uh, I think you can surround him with, like, if you played him with uh, Dwight Powell and then Dorian Finney Smith at the three or something, like, you can surround him with enough length and athleticism to help him out on the defensive end. But I think he's an absolute home run this offseason for anyone that gets him. Yeah, yeah. Busevich has been special this year. Um, he's really been solid his whole career, um, just sort of stuck in Orlando um, after Dwight Howard where no one really paid attention to them, so can't see his production. But his production has definitely gone up this year um, and can bring a lot to a team. Um, so uh, I would love to see him there with Luka. Um, other guys I looked at, obviously, Clay and Kristaps Porzingis would be huge for them. Not, not very likely. Um, Guys like Chris Middleton also in that sort of not likely category. Um, but, yeah, I was looking at J.J. Redick, Danny Green types, um, someone that can bring some defense, covering Luka and Dennis Smith Jr., uh, but also can spread the floor. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing for Dallas is to find someone that can spread the floor for them um, and play some defense. But yeah, I agree, with, I agree with those guys as well. I think those would be good, good pieces for them. Yeah, so um, something I'm doing a little bit different this week is I'm doing a trade for each team that we talk about. Um, so this for the Dallas Mavericks, what I, I had them sending out, um, and, and I made this trade when Dennis Smith was sitting out, so I um, had Dennis Smith Jr. and Wesley Matthews getting sent to Orlando um, for Evan Fournier, Jonathan Simmons, and then the 2020 Oklahoma City first-round pick that Orlando has. Um, like I said, Dallas, um, no rush to win now. Um, Evan Fournier 
has a year plus a player option after this this season. Um, Jonathan Simmons has one more year after this. Um, two guys that can space the floor, although Simmons isn't shooting the ball well this year. Um, but are, are also um, Simmons is is a good defender, and then Evan Fournier can can sort of be that secondary ball handler, uh, play with the second unit, um, and get some offense there. Then getting that first round pick just keep getting assets. Uh, so what do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. Fournier is a really smooth offensive player. Kind of scores it. I don't want to say at, at will, but he he can get his own. Um, and Jonathan Simmons just super athletic, uh, good defending wing that I, I think can make more plays than he does. Um, I think he's better than he's been playing so far this year. Kind of really took off in San Antonio for like a year and then got his contract and hasn't really been the same yet. Um, but I, I think he'll get he has the potential to get back at least to what we saw in San Antonio. Um, and then I think so Dallas is an interesting spot for me because every team's trying to find their superstar. Like everybody wants to draft their next LeBron. And Dallas is in a spot where it seems like they have drafted Luka Doncic to be their star and he's lived up to it. Um, and, and when you get that situation, you just look for anyone that can go with him and you want to add like young talent and guys that are sure things. And then you can take your chances in the second round, like you said. So getting more first round picks and just stockpiling assets is I think the best way that Dallas can handle this, especially because the current older guys that are on big deals that they have right now aren't even performing that well as it is. So um, why not just take a chance and see what happens? Uh, and, and I don't even know that Dennis Smith Jr. fits in great um, in Dallas right now with Luka. Uh, uh, I think he's kind of feels he's needing a fresh start. Uh, I think he's a pretty good basketball player. Like I think he can be a fine NBA player, but I don't know that that's going to happen in Dallas. So I think that would be a good move for both teams. Yeah, I think Orlando needs that young point guard that they can grow with the team. Um they're sort of missing that right now with just having DJ Augustine and Jerry and Grant really as their only two options. Um, but it gives them that. Um, gets them out of Fournier's $17 million next year and possibly the year after. Um, brings in Wesley Matthews that can sort of replace um, that veteran leadership that Fournier kind of brought to them, but gives them a little bit more defense, which Steve Clifford loves down there. Um, and Giving up that OKC pick, not huge, huge deal for them. They're a little bit ahead of Dallas as far as their time frame is going. Um, so I think they can give that up, still keep it on to their pick in 2020. So uh, that's sort of my thinking behind it. But we'll take another uh, short break here and get into the Boston Celtics. So we're going to jump into the Boston Celtics, um, sort of going over their personnel. So 
Um, pretty steady starting lineup now um, compared to the beginning of the season. So right now they're starting Kyrie, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, and Al Horford. And then they bring Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, um, sort of a mix between Aaron Baines and Daniel Theus. Um, then with Semi Ojale and Robert Williams playing here, here or there. Um, so they're starting to get back onto their winning ways as they were last year. Um, they've now won, won two, four games in a row against Toronto, Memphis, Atlanta, and Miami. So solid wins in there, um, sitting them at 29 and 18. Um, so what do you think about these guys? Yeah, I think Brad Stevens made good moves by sending Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward to the bench for uh, Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart. Um, I think it gives them more defense, obviously, bringing two of your better defenders in and just mostly rebounding because Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris are probably their second and third best rebounders on the team. Um, that might be a little exaggeration, but they're still pretty solid rebounders. Uh, and, and Horford definitely needs some help. I think who's Tatum and Tatum Horford and Marcus Morris are all averaging six rebounds a game. Um, they really, it's a, it's a team effort to rebound, and we'll talk a little bit about that throughout while we talk about Boston. But um, I think they're, I think they're meshing well together now. Um, pretty much they went, they obviously surprised a ton of people getting to the Eastern Conference Finals with a super young roster last year. Um, and, and more or less added two free agents in Kyrie and Gordon Hayward uh, from missing them most of last year to adding them to that Eastern Conference Finals team. takes a little while for all of that to mesh together and get going. Kyrie, I think, at some points is trying a little bit too hard to be that leader that he's talking about. Um, he's, it feels like he's kind of forcing it here and there, but uh, I think he's finding the happy medium of that also. And obviously they have talent just everywhere. Um, pretty much all the way down the roster, they have seriously talented basketball players. And shout out to, uh, shout out to, today, Junior. Terry Rozier. There you go. First, it took me a little while, but shout out Terry Rozier for talking about the too much talent thing that we actually did a study on earlier in the in the podcast series. So I appreciate you proving us right for that and. Next time, I'll remember who said it a little bit quicker. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think Boston will be just fine. Um, they just have to continue to mesh together. and They have a great coach and talented roster. I'm sure they're going to figure it out. Yeah, they're starting to come around. Uh, it's sort of been a season of ups and downs. Um, and I think it's more magnified this year because of the expectation they set for themselves last year. Um, that's... Eastern Conference, Conference Finals, um, sort of NBA Finals or bust type of year for them. Um, because LeBron left the East, they feel it's wide open and that they're, they're the next team. Um, so I think that's why it seems like it's been more up and down than it necessarily has. Because um, right now they're 11 games over 500, so perfectly fine there. Um, team is really starting to come together. Um, Kyrie's taking the load. Uh, on offense and trying to lead through that way. Um, sort of taking a book out of LeBron where the team struggle and LeBron will just go out and score 35, have 12, 13 rebounds and 10 assists. 
and sort of get everyone back on track. So it seems like Kyrie's trying to take it that way. Um, and he's doing a good job. So, so Boston is, is perfectly fine. Um, I do, like I said earlier, I think they, they need to make a move, uh, bring in some size. Um, Aaron Baines has been awesome. I don't know if you saw, he blocked or at least contested two dunk attempts uh, when they played Miami the other night. Um, he swatted Kevin pretty bad, too. Yeah, so, I mean, Beans is a guy that loves to sort of put his nose in there. Um, I think he blocked Bam first out of bio, and then Derek Jones Jr., who has, um, I think he played with the trampoline in issues, uh, trying to dunk on him and stopped <laughs> him from playing, dunking that. So, um I like Baines a lot, and he's developed his three-point game, but I still think um, they need to bring in someone that's more consistent um, for them at that center position, um, especially when Daniel Theus um, and Aaron Baines and Horford have battled through injuries, um, all sort of getting up higher in age. So um, just want to see them bring in someone with size. But... Um, sort of an interesting fact, another reason I bring that size thing up is that um, when someone on the Boston Rec- on Celtics um, doesn't, it's been, let's see, eight different people who've had 10 plus rebounds this season um, in a game, they are 16 and three. Uh, so it's not necessarily grabbing those 10 rebounds, sort of an arbitrary number, but when they're active on the boards, uh, I think they play a lot better, uh, especially def- defensive boards. Not giving up second chance points, uh, they, they play a lot better when they're when they're doing that. Um, so bringing in a guy that can really shore up the defensive boards uh, will be huge for them. Uh, what else do you think about them? Yeah, so I also saw this team play in person this weekend, and it kind of st- I. It stuck out to me offensively, specifically for them. I think their defense is completely fine. I think they play well enough defensively. Um, Like you said, to me, honestly, it's just a matter of effort from time to time for them of wanting to just go get the rebound. It's like kind of whether it's Jason Tatum leaking out or Jalen Brown, something like that. Like they got long athletic wings that are very capable rebounders, and I think they just need to have a little bit more of a focus on that. But offensively, like so against the Hawks, they started pretty slow. Atlanta played really well out of the gate. And got up to like a 15 point lead um and and it turned into basically Kyrie just taking the ball and clearing out and just going one-on-one at Trey and probably that's mostly because Trey was guarding him um but but it even happened with Terry Rozier uh and it feels it like it feels like they just don't know how to play together really yet um like Tatum really disappeared to me. I think he still ended up with 17 points, but it was like the quietest 17. I swear he only had like four. Um, and, and Horford had a horrible game. Um, Kyrie was incredible as usual, but they, they really, I feel like are missing like a cohesive offense. It just turns into one guy breaking down his defender and trying to get a little bit of space to get a turnaround jump shot up or get all the way to the hoop. Um, and I think they just need to continue to, to mesh, as I said, and come together offensively. Uh, and, and then I think their offense will take off to that next level that we're kind of waiting on. Yeah, that, that's been the biggest problem for Boston <clears throat> offensively is knowing what a good shot is and how to work it as a team. 
Uh, you see Jason Tatum taking a ton of mid-range um, jumpers. Um, Gordon Hayward disappearing at times. Um, Al Horford really struggling this year offensively. Um, I think that's one some sort of age. Um, but also just the lack of cohesiveness. Wow, I just made up a word there. A lot of cohesiveness. <laughs> <laughs> that was embarrassing. Um, but they're just lacking cohesiveness. How do you say that? Yeah, cohesiveness. You got it. Jeez. Um, <laughs> we can make it our own ism. That's all right. It's a, we can make it a theory or something. Game. Take a night. Our job this year. The Los Angeles Clippers. Um, but there's no cohesion between these guys. Um, I think Kyrie um, is playing as well as he has. Has Terry Rozier trying to play for a contract um, with him being a free agent next season. And that gets them um, out of sorts offensively. If you have two of your, basically your only two point guards um, playing that way, it becomes where the wings are catching the ball. Like, I might not get the ball back, so I have to put something up. Um, so if they can get back to the way they were playing in the playoffs last year, um, where the ball's moving, Al Horford is just setting screens and pick and pop, pick and dive, um, and the ball's moving around, getting quality shots um, over quantity of shots, then they're going to be a lot better offensively. But again, I'm not terribly worried about this team. I wouldn't be shocked if they made it to the NBA Finals um, because they're oozing talent. Um, but I would like to see them make a move. Uh, because of the amount of talent they have on the wing, I think they can afford to get rid of one of them um, and bring back a big um, that can help Al Horford, uh, who's been struggling. Um, so I want to jump into breaking down their draft, how ridiculous it is. Yeah, have fun with that. I'll listen. <laughs> so try to stay with me here. So uh, Boston could potentially have four first-round picks. Um, so the first pick that they could have is the Memphis pick. So it's protected one through eight. Uh, so all likeliness is that Memphis is going to completely bottom out um, and fall in that one to eight range, so they're going to lose that pick. And so what happens if they lose that pick? It goes to next year, and then the protections are a little bit different. So Memphis has it protected one through six for the next season. Um, and it's certainly possible that Memphis is still in the bottom six teams. So if that doesn't convey, then it goes to the next year, 2021, when Boston just gets Memphis's first-round pick unprotected outright. So wherever they land, 1 through 30, it's going to Boston. And that's only if Memphis keeps their pick this year and next year. Um, so that's one pick. Um, another pick they could potentially get is to the Los Angeles Clippers protected pick. Um, so Clippers protected it through the lottery, so picks 1 through 14 for this year and next year. So if they fall into the lottery this year, fall into the lottery next year, um, then in 2022, it turns into a second-round pick. Um, the third pick is they get the more favorable pick between Philadelphia and Sacramento. Um, now, Philly and Sacramento have both have it protected for first overall, 
So if one of those te two teams win the lottery and get the first pick, they get to keep it. Um, otherwise, whoever has the worst pick between Philly and Sacramento goes to, goes to Boston. And then they have their own first-round pick. You got all that? Nope. Can you go through that again? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, I see Boston landing with three picks. Um, having somewhere around 10, 10 to 13 or so um, with the Sacramento pick, pick most likely be going to them. Um, having a pick like 18 from the Clippers and then their own pick sort of late mid to the mid-20s. Um, so who do you see? Who do you like for them? All right, so I'll go through my, my three spots here in the first round. Um, so I'm doing this thinking more or less that Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris are going to be on different teams next year. Um, so for at the, at the 10 spot, I think, or around the 10 spot, I think they were – it's a good spot to look for point guard. Um, so you have the – at least the three main point guards, I think that'll be up there. It'll be Kevin Porter Jr., Darius Garland, and uh, Trey Jones. Um, Trey's probably more of a reach at that spot than the other two are. Um, and I think KPJ might be gone before that. Plus, he's not as much of a point guard as Darius Garland. Uh, so I'll say the better prospect for them there would be Darius Garland. At 18, um, I think they have two pretty solid options, or around 18 at least, two pretty solid options in Jackson Hayes and Brandon Clark. Um, two big-body, really athletic guys that I think can step in for Marcus Morris and rebound a ton, play some defense. And they also, Jackson Hayes is developing his offense still, but Brandon Clark has pretty solid offense as a game already. Um, and then, so their own pick later on, around like the 25 range, say, I think they can take a shot on a guy like Carson Edwards, who is essentially built identical to Terry Rozier. Um, and is just a better offensive player than he is than Terry is right now, but Rozier is probably a better defensive player. Um, so a guy that they can just throw into the second unit and literally just come in as a microwave type player. Um, and I think if they can get a couple of those guys, they'd crush this draft. Um, so I don't know if you looked at my notes there, but that's about all the guys I put. <laughs> uh, Perfect. <laughs> so I was. I was Think of Brandon Clark, Jackson Hayes as well. Um, I was thinking that as sort of their their first pick. Um, I think Jackson Hayes would probably have to be that first pick. I think they can get Brandon Clark later on the second pick. Well, I think Brandon Clark is jumping up people's boards right now. Um, I mean, I think he should. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think at the at the combine he might um, jump up a bit. So I can see him being a five on five scrimmage type guy um, and taking a huge leap into that lottery that late lottery range. Um, He's top five in player efficiency rating in college basketball with guys like Zion, John Morant, like those kind of names, plus some yeah, major type players. But I mean, he's, he's nasty. Out, outperforming his own teammate at Rui. Um, so he's playing outstanding right now, very athletic, defensive. He's in um, – I don't know if you saw he got nominated for defensive player of the year in college. Um, yeah, well, that list is broken. So yeah, we can move on. Yeah, a lot wrong with that one. We'll talk about next. Yeah, college podcast. <laughs> he should he should be on that. Yeah, not saying sure. he shouldn't be on that, but but, but, but there's people missing. Very big people missing. Um, but <laughs> um, but Jackson Hayes, I think, would be an awesome fit there. Um, almost like 
obviously nowhere near Anthony Davis, but that type of player, that long, um, skilled um, big that they can bring in. Um, he's insanely efficient. I don't know if you see it's just about every game. He's five for five, five for six, um, just getting everything around the rim. Um, and his form on his jump shot is solid, so it can develop. And then don't don't forget Anthony Davis wasn't Anthony Davis when he got drafted too. True, true. But I I don't think Jackson Hayes will ever quite get up to that, but um, definitely has that potential. Um, and then obviously Trey Jones was someone I was thinking later in the draft to get sort of bringing that um, backup point guard that bringing something different than than Kyrie. Um, threw in P.J. Washington. Again, we've talked about him a bit. Uh, Diedrich Lawson is someone I think they could look at um, late first round and then their second round pick. Um, I had Carson Edwards as well. Um, and then two other names for the second round. Uh, Ty Jerome, bring another point guard that can shoot. Um, or Simi Shitu from Vanderbilt. Jeez, blanked on that. Um, <laughs> very athletic, very strong, um, big that can that can rebound. Um, so those are sort of my guys for, for Boston. They're going to bring in a ton. Ultimately think they trade out of some of these picks, but have a lot of options here in this in this draft. Yeah, Danny Ainge is just sitting on a gold mine there, and he can literally do whatever he wants. Yeah, and watch, he's going to trade out of them to get more picks for next year, but it's <laughs> <his> forte. <laughs> um, now let's, let's get into a little bit of free agents. All right, so I was struggling with this, and Michael told me that that uh, the fact about ten plus rebounds. So bear with me here with with why I think these two guys. Um, but number one, Ed Davis. Obviously, we talked about him already with Brooklyn, just having an incredible year. He's leading Brooklyn rebounding, and he comes off the bench. Um, just so long and athletic, super good defender, blocks a ton of shots, rebounds the ball, doesn't do a ton offensively, obviously, um, but can really solidify their defense and specifically the rebounding. Um, if if he does get a little too expensive because of how how well he's played so far this year and, and some teams really trying to get him, I think another option that kind of goes along the same lines and even offers a little bit more offensively is a guy like Christian Wood, who I know you've liked for a long time. Um, but I'm looking at, at some bigs to solidify the roles uh, and, and defend, rebound, and run the floor for him. Yeah, those make sense because of the their salary cap is a little, um, a little clogged up, and it all depends on what Al and Kyrie do. Um, yeah, those two are, well, specifically Kyrie, but I'm pretty much planning on those two coming back, so those were why I was reaching towards the bottom of the barrel free agent-wise. Yeah, so if they bring those two back, um, Ed Davis would be an absolute home run, um, sort of like a Nerlens Noel for the Thunder this past summer. Um, but yeah, I, would. I think I think they have the, those two players kind of, and Robert Williams. If you could ever figure out like how to be an adult, kind of yeah, um, show up, but, yeah, <laughs> just be be in the facility. I think he could be very solid. So hopefully they can work on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now that he's getting adjusted, I think to the NBA, I think he's going to be really big for them next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't bring enough veterans onto your team, especially a team like the Celtics. Um, so I like those. Uh, I'm just going to go through quickly through mine. Um, DeMarcus Cousins obviously would be awesome. 
seeing as he signed for little before. Why not do it again? Um, then Vucevic would be, but again, we talked about how he's probably going to get a big, big time contract coming up this summer. Um, Brooke Lopez. If they lose Horford, though, it wouldn't be a terrible thing to just sign Vucevic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, brings more size and rebounding, so. Um, but another guy, Brooke Lopez, um, seeing what he can do with Milwaukee, um, going from taking, I think, like three threes in his first like six years to now averaging like seven a game. Um, taking three step back threes now. I think it would be an interesting fit there to spread the floor. Um, but if they don't get those guys or they don't get the Ed Davises, then I was looking at like guys like Darren Collison or Patrick Beverly to sort of fill in that Terry Rozier void that's going to be there. Um, just some some veterans that can play defense and run an offense. Yep, those work for me. Um, so now a little, since Boston's incredibly complex they made a complex complex trade um so it's a three-team trade um, boston's going to be sending out um four or three players in a pick um end up trading with detroit pistons and phoenix suns um so i have gordon hayward and terry rozier going to detroit um gershon yabusele and the 2019 Los Angeles Clippers first-round pick that we mentioned earlier. Um, both are going to Phoenix. Boston's going to get um, Andre Drummond, Ish Smith, and TJ Warren back in return. Um, Detroit is going to get Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, um, Dragon, Be- Dragon Bender, and Eli Okobo. And the Phoenix Suns are going to get Gershon Yabusele, the Clippers pick, and Reggie Jackson. So Phoenix gets the point guard they've been begging for from every team ever. Um, and, and also a really solid, most likely around the 10 range type pick. Um, or no, sorry. That's the one outside the lottery, right? Yeah, so it's going to be like 15 to 18. Yeah, I would that imagine. One. Still, those are the people we talked about. Um, they're still really good players around that, that range, so not bad at all. Um, I think I think Dragon Bender is uh, – he was a big-time project, and he hasn't come to really close to what people thought yet. So I think Phoenix would be wise to kind of move on from that project and let someone else take it on. Um, TJ Warren fitting into the Celtics I think would be awesome for the Boston – I could see him sliding into play that four position, pretty much doing like rotating with Marcus Morris, um, and then who else? Might, oh, Drummond, obviously the <laughs> figurehead of the deal. <laughs> um, I think he brings every single thing that Boston wants, basically, and a, a big that can rebound. He's going to get you fifteen to twenty rebounds a game, pretty much every time he ties his sneakers, uh, and he defends well. Um, I think he could be really effective in pick and roll situations with Kyrie. Uh, and, and you're kind of, you're getting something out of a guy like Rozier where you're pretty much expecting not to be able to, to sign him again this year. Um, and you're getting something for that. So I think each team is getting a little bit of value. Um, I think Phoenix, like I said, kind of gets to get rid of some projects and start some new ones. Um, and Detroit kind of, kind of blows them, 
blows up the roster just a little um, and and restarts around Blake. Yeah, so so my thinking behind it, especially for Detroit, <clears throat> to get out of that sort of big man, and that's it um, with their team. So with Blake and Andre, um, I think they need to sort of get away from that. So bringing in Gordon Hayward, um, having Blake there, um, also getting – so Dragon Bender – um, is getting some minutes lately um, with some injuries, and he's playing at the five and has been effective at the five. Um, so having him at the five with Blake at the four, Gordon at three, um, and then Terry Rozier at the point with Reggie Bullock playing there, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Get some more shooting, spread the floor, um, and more playmaking to sort of give Blake a little bit of a break. Wow, that was tough. Um, then Boston, um, like I said, getting that, that defensive rebounder, um, someone who doesn't need a ton of shots, uh, cleans up a lot of the mess, uh, and can really give Al Horford the reins to play the four, which is what he's always wanted to play. Um, and then getting Ish Smith um, was huge in my eyes for Boston because he brings that backup point guard a true backup point guard that's just going to go out there and run the show, um, keep the, the sink from shipping, um, and give them some... <laughs> Do you hear what you said? <laughs> keep, the sh- <laughs> keep, keep the sink from shipping? I love that one. <laughs> what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Bro, I'm out, man. That one. <laughs> oh, we're having a day, aren't we? <laughs> been a while <laughs> yeah i guess i'm a little rusty but you know what i meant um and then tj warren is a sort of um a bench guy um giving them some bench scoring uh, and then phoenix take a shot with reggie jackson um he's only on the books next year for 18 um which is fine see how he fits with devin booker um, not ideal for phoenix um but you are getting another first round pick um and really just giving up. Um, basically, TJ Warren, Eli Kobo is going to be decent, but um, just sort of taking a shot on a couple guys. So um, that was my thinking behind that. But doubt that will ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. It shows our brilliance. Right, exactly. And that was difficult getting those salaries to match, I'll tell you. Um, but yeah, we'll take a quick break here. We'll get into more about the salary cap and how that all works. All back to school, back to school, to prove to dad that I'm not a fool. I got my lunch packed up, my boots tied tight. I hope I don't get in a fight. Oh, back to school, back to school, back. All right, so something I always forget is we're doing our picks, our locks for this week. We're going to pick for Thursday, January 24th, which is probably when this is going to come out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, so, Zach, you go ahead first with your pick. Yeah, so I, I don't have a lock on my stuff anymore. I have, like, a loose shut door, basically. Um, but I'm going with the Thunder, minus 11.5 against the Pelicans, coming off back-to-back. Uh, Thunder at home. I don't know. I just think the Thunder are better. 
So that's a lot of points, I know. But Paul George and Russ are, are rolling, especially Paul George right now. Um, Russ got pissed off last night, and usually when that happens, he plays pretty well. So. Yeah, and AD's out. Yep, that too. That's why it's 11 and a half. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see the Steven Adams-Julius Randle matchup. That's sort of two titans as far as... You mean Steven Adams and Julius Okafor? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he had 20 in the last game. I was pretty excited about it. Yeah, that's true. So he will play. I mean, he did play solid. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the, the bigs match up down there. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, um, Drew <laughs> can only guard one player. So I think... I'm hoping he guards Russ because so Paul George can just go wild. Probably not. But Paul George <laughs> still will be able to, to go to play well. Um, but I, I see a guy like Terrence Ferguson playing well um, in that game because he's going to be probably matched up with Etwan Moore. Um, so look for a big a big game from Terrence Ferguson there. Um, but my pick is going to be the last game of the night. Minnesota's playing at L.A., um, it looks like Rondo's going to be back. Um, I just don't believe in Minnesota. Uh, and they're favored at one and a half right now. I'm taking L.A. plus one and a half. I just think L.A. is going to win outright. Well, I'm so look, for, look at that money line as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, L.A.'s been struggling, obviously. But with Rondo coming back, uh, I think that helps out the point guard position. And then they're just going to play hard. I think they outplay Minnesota. Again, still undefeated. All right, right, Professor, let's get to your lesson. All right, so um, we're going to jump into the lesson. Um, Last week we talked about what the salary cap was and mentioned a little bit about luxury tax. Um, We're going to get into it a little bit more. Um, So it's basically a way to help control the way the teams spend money. So ideally don't have a team that has five all-stars on a team, but it still happens. <laughs> um, Especially when one, one wants to play for dirt cheap. Yeah. Um, which there is another provision that doesn't allow for that as well um, that we'll get into later, but um, they worked around that. Anyway, um, so the luxury tax, uh, basically there's a line that's predetermined before the season. Um kind of interesting how they they compute it so it's 53.51 percent of what they project um, from their basketball revenue income so anything that they generate from basketball related items so ticket sales um, things like that Uh, they subtract that from projected benefits and then they divide it by the number of teams in the league so divided by 30 that's either a bunch of people throwing darts at a dartboard until a number falls down or the most <laughs> complex algorithm I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the latter, um, but it does sound kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, and so once that number is made, um, they look at the amount of salary that's on that team at the end of the year. Um, so that line is marked if you're anywhere from a penny to 4.9 million basically over, um, you have a tax rate of $1.50. So every single dollar that you're over, you pay $1.50 for. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, and it can, you can see how it gets out of hand pretty quick. Yeah, so 
the next range is five million to nine point nine million, um, then you would pay a dollar seventy five for that range. Um, then ten million to fourteen point nine million to two dollars and fifty cents. Um, then the next range after that, fifteen million to nineteen point nine million, you'd pay three dollars and twenty five cents for every dollar that you're over. Um, and then if you're twenty million and above, um, it's three dollars and seventy five cents, and then that increases every fifty cents for each additional five million you're over. Um, so that range is for um, non-repeaters. So first time they're going over the luxury tax. That's the team's first season, and they're over the luxury tax. That's the rates that they'll pay. If it's a second season in a row, um, they would pay. The first range would be two point or two dollars and fifty cents. Um, basically, add a dollar to each range. So two dollars fifty cents to two seventy five, three fifty, four twenty five, and four seventy five. Um, so that's sort of how the luxury tax works, and that can add up really, really quick. Um, so that's why you see teams try to get under that threshold, especially if they were if they met it the year before. Yeah, I mean, you either have an owner that's willing to spend an unreasonable amount of money in taxes for, like, a four-year stretch where you're trying to win a bunch of titles, or you just <laughs> hope like crazy you can get under that number after the one year you've been on it or whatever. And I think it's interesting that, like, the the earlier um, thresholds are a little bit smaller, like fifty on the dollar. Um, obviously, that's a significant number, but it's not going to kill these owners. Um, but then when you get up to, like, the higher third, fourth, fifth thresholds, that number increases big time. So you can tell, like, the level of player that you can add to your team. Um, the more significant the player you add, the much more heavier you are taxed. Yeah, and that's why you see when Oklahoma City, they re-signed Paul George and still had Melo on the team. Um, they were actually at, um, I want to say it was like $194 million in just luxury tax alone, um, not including the the salary cap itself, so um, getting rid of the mellow was a huge, huge deal for them. Um, getting down into a different tax bracket, basically. Um, so you'll see a lot of times teams that are close um, to that range uh, will either waive non-guaranteed guys or uh, make lopsided trades um, and give up assets to get under that, especially with small market teams. Works for me. Yeah, so uh, that wraps up the the NBA podcast this week. Um, we'll get into the uh, some more SEC teams in our college pod later in the week. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think. Um, anything else? Yeah, tell us your favorite teams because I don't know if you've noticed, but every time we talk about them, they get really hot. Um, and even players, they get really hot right after we talk about them. So yeah, I meant to actually bring that up. Talk about. <laughs> Yeah, Brooklyn went off. Um, yeah. Yep. It's and even, like, we just talked about South Carolina, and they just won again, knocked off Auburn. Like, there's teams that aren't that good that we talk about, and then they just go crazy. Yeah, so let us know your favorite, and we'll, we'll put it in. We'll, we'll help you out. Yeah, exactly. Especially because my, my picks certainly haven't helped you out, so I might as well do something. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, we'll see you, <laughs> we'll see you guys later in the week. Here's DJ Zenas.
Show up, get out on the floor. All I wanna know, can we turn this thing out?